Hello, and thank you for listening to this Fun Board Council podcast. This is a 15 minute excerpt of our longer podcasts, and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fun Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at funboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. Welcome to, to the community joining us this afternoon for this FBC digital meeting. Uh, we've had quite a large number of people register for this event, um, uh, which is which is great, and we're we're delighted that so many of you could join us for what I'm sure will be um, a very interesting and informative 60 minutes or so. Um, after what's been a very busy start to the year um, with in terms of kind of regulatory updates and communications, uh, we're delighted to be able to give uh, FBC corporate members and invited guests the opportunity to both hear from uh, and put questions to um, Camille Blackburn, Director of Wholesale Byside, and Donald Mackay, Senior Associate at the FCA. Um, and we're very grateful to both of you for your, for your time this afternoon. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Um, our discussion this afternoon is going to be chaired by FBC's Senior Advisor and Chair of our Advisory Panel, uh, Philip Warland. Um, but before I hand over to him, there's just a couple of quick points that I'd like to make uh, about today's discussion. Um, there's going to be quite a lot of us here today, but uh, this is very much an open discussion, and we hope that as many of you as possible will take the opportunity to contribute your thoughts um, and put your questions forward. With that duly said, I'm going to pass you over to our chair for today, Philip Warland. Philip, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Catherine, and thank you very much for that um, introduction. And uh, welcome to Camille and, and to Donald, uh, to both of you. Thank you very much indeed for taking the time to come and uh, talk with us and let us know what the FCA really thinks, as it were. So, Camille, can I can I start with um, what I think is, is probably the big one? I mean, there's so many um, con consultations and discussion papers uh, knocking around at the moment, but can I start with consumer duty? Um, consumer duty is really interesting in that not only does it cover the whole of uh, financial services, um, but it's the first time in my lifetime that the FCA has sought to introduce something which quite clearly covers all the value chain from the fund manager through the platform, through the intermediary. And that, I think, is going to be really interesting to see how that works out. Now, when you put the paper forward, you must have had some expectations as to what the impact might be. So what would good look like for you in, in the fund management um, industry, including the intermediaries? Oh, what a great question to start. And be, before I um, tackle that, that curly first question uh, there, Philip, can I just say how, um, how lovely it is to be here this afternoon and to, um, to meet you all. Uh, really is in, in, in the first time in, in this role that I've had uh, uh, for the last four months here. Um, it, it, thank you all for taking the time this afternoon to uh, come and come and have this conversation with, with, with Donald and I. But it is a great place to start the, uh, the, the consumer uh, duty. So uh, I've, I've, I'm aware of everyone that is on the call. So all of you, I think, in the room have, have recently received our 
uh, correspondence uh, about the consumer duty that accompanied the portfolio letter a, a few weeks ago. Uh, and that letter, of course, did set out what we were trying to achieve uh, with the consumer duty that was quite, that was well summarised by you, Philip. So uh, we're, we're basically looking to support a better outcome for retail consumers it is what the, it is obviously what the uh, end game is here. And having looked at who is in the room, um, almost everyone is a, is a product manufacturer in, in, in the room. Uh, so they're a manufacturer of products that are sold ultimately to our retail clients. And as you say, sometimes directly, sometimes further down the chain. You know, so sometimes there's a value chain uh, links between the, the product manufacturer and the ultimate delivery point into um, the retail customer's hands. And so uh, the, uh, the area that I think uh, you are alluding to is, uh, is an issue about uh, what we are looking for as an outcome uh, and how uh, th there is a concept of value chain introduced, as you say, Philip, for the first time, that is, is, is bound up in this concept of material influence on the ultimate uh, retail investor at the end of the chain. But ultimately, it, for everybody in the room, it involves asking the question that knowing my, knowing my organisation and knowing my role in uh, that, uh, that value chain, what, what, are the, what, what is the likelihood that my products and services prices or the value that I am presenting to retail customers, uh, what the materials I'm, I'm putting in out for the for retail customers and the support that I'm giving retail customers, what is the what 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 sort of issues can I foresee um, in the service that I'm providing or the product that I'm providing that could cause harm to a retail consumer? So we, we are basically asking people to ask that question in a, in a more holistic way than perhaps what we have in the past. Now, uh, everyone on this call is aware that we, in particular, when we're thinking about price and value of our products, uh, we've had the benefit of uh, almost five years since the asset management market study, where we've had to look quite carefully at what the concept of value means in asset management. Uh, so unlike other sectors in, in industry, uh, we've, we've been asking our question about whether our, our, our products do provide good value uh, for retail customers uh, for, for longer than other, other sectors in, in financial services. But uh, those, that, that type of question that we've been asking ourselves in that context is the sort of are the sorts of questions that will be um, that we'll be needing to ask in 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 some of, through some of these other lenses as well. So there are perhaps some introductory comments, Philip. You'll no, you'll no doubt have some follow up some follow up questions. That, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. And yes, I do have a follow up. I'm a, I'm a fund manager. I've I've done everything that you would require me to do under, under the well, at least most of the things you require me to do under the consumer duty as you just described it. So, what it, uh, to what respect do I have to look down the chain 
and see how my product is being handled further down. Do I have any responsibility for that? Well, there's already responsibilities. So uh, we've talked about, and it, the audience that I've got today is quite a sophisticated audience. So some of these questions are, are well litigated in our industry. So under prod uh, and uh, some existing rules that we've had, there is already a, a, a um, there is already uh, target market type responsibilities that uh, product manufacturers have, and there are there is information that we we should be asking down our our value chain. Now uh, we know we know from uh, practice, but also from uh, previous consultations that 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 doesn't always work seamlessly. That that handover of information. Uh, to better inform uh, consumer protection uh, actions that might need to uh, be taken. Uh, but that, are, that they are the types of um, things or the types of questions that we are expecting to continue under consumer duty. And in fact, uh, for we're, we're encouraging um, uh, that you will need to find out to be able to meet uh, the expectations under under consumer duty. Donald, I can see you're leaning over. Yes. If you want to add something. Yeah, just to emphasize the point you made around, so what we've observed in our, so our supervision of product government, the product rules can oversight. I know it's been a source of frustration for firms as well as firms yeah. as manufacturers, as well as for us as regulators, that the, the handovers of information from the distribution side to the manufacturer does not happen. I think from, obviously we're looking at this from an, a consumer duty lens here, so that information might improve consumer outcomes. I think there's also an advantage you know, for firms themselves to have that better now for, from knowing the customers, so particularly given the UK's such an intermediate value chain. So this is not purely so a burden that we're supporting firms. I'm hoping this will make so, you know, fund manufacturing lives somewhat easier because there's pressure now. Because this is industry-wide, as Philip mentioned, um, there's that kind of obligation on distributors where they're regulating in the UK so to provide that information. So that should make life easier for manufacturers and not just from consumer duty, but also more generally um, in their sort of target markets and product design. Yeah. That, that's really helpful, Donald. I mean, that, that, that actually was one of the things I was driving at that um, conducting target market uh, responsibilities as fund manager has actually been, in some cases, really quite difficult to get the data from the intermediaries or the platforms, whomever, which uh, allow us to say, yes, we are ca ca carrying out our duties. Um, I spend a lot of time working on, on the continent. It tends to be easier there because the distributors tend to be big and ugly. Um, and and uh, it's, not, it's not as... Um, uh, uh, broken down as it is here. Can I ask you one other question? It's a question we'll come back to several times, I think, Camille, which is um, consumer duty is, is complex and it's subtle, if I may put it like that. What role do you expect the independent directors on a board to play? How much should they know about this? And, uh, you know, do you think they have a particular role to play here? I think that they do have a particular role to play. I mean, it is um, it is uh, it is a it is a challenge for us all to to think in a different way, in a more holistic way about uh, about some of these expectations. Um, and the as we've just talked about, 
uh, at this particular point, some of the uh, some of the information and some of the data and some of the evidence um, may not be readily available. But I think what we would be expecting directors to understand is what the outcome is that is what we are desiring and that I expect their organisations themselves are desiring, actually. Supporting better outcomes for consumers is a hard one to argue against. Uh, so the, the types of questions that you'd be expecting your governance bodies to ask is, where are the areas where we're comfortable, we are meeting good outcomes uh, for our retail, our retail investors, and where are those areas where we're, where we're less confident? And what is it do we, that we need to do to build that confidence level for the, for the governance bodies? And that's a nice that's a nice uh, that's a nice bridge, if you like, to um, uh, the the general expectations that we have on on governance bodies more broadly. So I, I know that uh, that that is a the particular interest of 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 the group here today is is governance and our directors' responsibilities and um, what what we should be expecting in the in the boardroom and. Uh, um, those types of questions are, are, um, I'm, are we're really delighted to be able to talk more about because for us it really is goes right to the heart of uh, the cultures that the uh, the FCA is most most interested in. Thank you very much. Um, let me uh, switch tack if I might to um, to SDR. Sort of ESG and how you um, intend to deal with it, and I, I suppose my basic question is why you need SDR. Um, everything that we produce and put in front of an investor has to be um, fair, clear, and, and not not misleading. And just to add to that, I mean, I do have a real concern again, partly through experience uh, as to what's going on on the continent, that the requirements of SDR could end up deflecting investors' um, gaze from other important risks in the product um, when they get, you know, um, you, you've got a 90-page um, consultation paper um, and there will be a lot of work to go in behind it. And I just wonder whether you think, A, it's necessary. I'm sure the answer to that is yes. Uh, but B, whether you, you think it's uh, proportionate. I do think that this is this will be ESG year. So uh, ESG, and nobody knows better than all of the all of the people on this call. Uh, ESG is a is a relatively novel concept in financial services. So it's it's still a maturing uh, it's still a maturing debate. But I think all of us on this call would understand that it, there's a real urgency in the debate given uh, given the outcomes we're trying to achieve. And all of us in financial services, I think, accept uh, the importance of, of uh, financial services and, and the direction of capital in achieving a, a good outcome for the planet. Um, Putting all of those big those big questions aside, though, you're absolutely right. There are general responsibilities that have gone that uh, we've talked about in the past with everybody on this call about ensuring that um, the claims that we are making can be adequately substantiated and uh, and are not misleading and are not causing harm. 
We hope you enjoyed that uh, 15 minute excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org.